19, hear these words. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, then it's almost like he's like, no, wait, I got to say something else first. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, wait, surely you've heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is the mystery made known to me by revelation, as I have already written briefly. In reading this then, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to men in other generations, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. He's almost saying, like, before we thought we understood, like, we thought we got it. Like, we thought that, that God was for us, that God was for the nation of Israel, and that then through the nation of Israel, God would uh, rule the world, that God's love was for us, Right? But God's love was, this, that's, what we, that's what we thought. God was for our tribe. And then he goes on. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel. Members together of one body. Sharers together in the promise in Christ Jesus. I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power, although I am less than the least of all God's people. So self-deprecating. I love it. Although I am less than the least of all God's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God, who created all things. His intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms, according to his eternal purpose, which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are your glory. We'll go that far. Whoa. There's a lot there. I want you to take a moment and just look around the room. Like you can look at each other. Just look around the room. I want to notice some things. Uh, some of us are female. Pretty good observation. Some of us are male. Uh, some of us are tall, although we can't really tell right now because most of us are sitting down. Some of us are tall. Some of us are, can I say short? Is there nothing wrong with short? L like less tall? Okay. Like, and we, we don't want to be like, we only want tall people here. Like, we like shorter people. Like, let's include, that makes, that makes things beautiful, right? Just looking out, out, out here, I see all kinds of different hair colors and styles. And that's a really cool thing, right? It's a, that's a really beautiful thing. Like, we all don't want brown hair like mine with little things of gray in there. We don't want that. No, we want all kinds of different shades, right? Some of us in this room are teachers. Some of us are, 
are students. So there's diversity happening in this place. And, and we welcome that and we like that because we recognize that uh, those who are different from us have something that we ourselves lack. And that's a really good thing. So you have teachers and you have students. You can't have students without teachers. You can't be a student without a teacher, right? Some of us wait tables. Some of us are retired. Some of us are bummed out about how life is going right now. And some of us are really excited about the way things are going. Life is great. Some of us are conservative. Some of us are really conservative. Some of us are liberal. Right here, right now, in this place. Some of us are really liberal. Some of us are Republicans. Some of us are, are Democrats and probably everything in between. There's, there's some diversity here. And even as we look around this room, we're probably not even as diverse as we could be. And there's something about that that grieves my heart a little bit. But nevertheless, here, right now, in this room, we are all kinds of different all kinds of different, and yet, we are one. We are the family of God, we are the people of God, we are the community of God, why? Because in Christ, the dividing wall of hostility, and we can make that plural, the dividing walls of hostility have been destroyed. In Christ, the dividing walls of hostility have been destroyed. Destroyed. Like, we might disagree on all kinds of different things, some of them really big things, and yet we are one. We are one. Why? Because in Christ, the dividing walls of hostility have been destroyed. Ah, oh, the walls have been broken down. Well, how does that work? It's kind of mysterious, isn't it? Maybe that's why Paul starts using this language of mystery. Right? He says there's this mystery that has been made known to him by revelation. In verse 4 he says, In reading this then, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ. Verse 6, the, this mystery, now he's going to let the cat out of the bag. Here's, he's going to reveal it. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, shares together in the promise of Christ Jesus. Mystery, mystery, mystery. We love mysteries, don't we? How many of us love mysteries? I love a good mystery because mysteries have this thing about them that they just kind of draw you in. Part of the reason why kids love dinosaurs so much is because there's a huge mystery there. Like, what happened? Where did they go? And why? Like, we got their bones. We have some ideas. But do we really? There's mystery there. It's super intriguing. Plus, they just look cool. Right? Huh. In mysteries, we're drawn into the story because somebody knows something that we don't yet know. 
All of our energy is, try, is spent on trying to figure out the secret that will give us the answer to the mystery. If we're watching a television show or a movie or some other kind of entertainment where there's a mystery involved, we'll even, we'll even speculate during the show and we'll whisper to the people who are, who are watching it with, I bet this is what happens or this is what's coming next or I think it's so and so. Right? Or if there's a big movie franchise and the next installment is coming out, it's a mystery. There's all kinds of speculation and there's whole, there's whole cultures that form around these things and they just speculate all day long about what happens next. Like, jump into the Star Wars fandom and you'll be like, oh my goodness. Like, what those people talk about all the time is insane. Right? We just speculate and speculate because there's something about a mystery that draws us in. We want to know more about it. And think about this. The biggest mystery on the planet right now and always has been this, something like this. Who are we? Where did we come from? Why are we here? That's like the mystery that it's, that's at the heart of every religion, Right there are those questions. And believe me, when Paul starts using this language of mystery, the people in the Ephesian church, guess what? They're in, man. They know exactly what he's talking about. Because there were these so-called mystery religions at the time that surrounded them and touched them every single day of their lives. And these mystery religions are all sort of lumped together under one label by religious historians called Gnosticism. It's from a Greek word gnosis, which means knowledge. It's where we get our word knowledge from. So they were all, all of these mystery religions were centered on uh, a different secret uh, a different story, a different God, some sort of special knowledge that all offered people the true meaning of life. And then if there were people, these high priests of these mystery religions who were charged with keeping the secret. And if you wanted in on the secret, if you wanted to know the answer to the mystery, then there were all kinds of rules and regulations and ways in which you had to live your life in order to make yourself worthy to know the secret to become in on the in crowd and gain this special knowledge. So when Paul starts using this language of mystery, you can, you can bet at this point the Ephesians are hooked. They're all like, oh, we got something good here. Let's hear this. But unlike the priests, the high priests of these, these mystery religions, Paul isn't charged with keeping the secret. In fact, he can't wait to get it out it's too good. Maybe it's too true for him to keep all to himself. And so he lets it out. He just gives it away. The mystery is God's plan from the foundation of the universe to reconcile Jew to Gentile, to reconcile people to God. Later on in some of his other letters, he will say to reconcile in Jesus all things. And Jesus is the answer to this mystery. Right? Paul reminds us that Christianity isn't about things that we can't know. Paul reminds us that Christianity isn't about a God that can only be known by the religious elite, by the chosen few. Christianity is about a God that doesn't keep secrets. It's about a secret revealed. It's about God becoming human in the person of Jesus Christ. It's about God 
becoming a human in the person of Jesus, showing us exactly what it looks like to truly be a human being. It's about God becoming human, showing us exactly who God is. It's about God becoming a human, showing us exactly who God loves, which is the whole world, everyone, everywhere. Male, female, black, white, everything in between. Native born, immigrants, rich, poor, you name it. That's it. There's no secret here. The whole world is redeemed through faith in Jesus. Oh, the whole world. And Paul goes on and he's like, you know what? We didn't always know this. We didn't always have this figured out. Previous generations didn't understand this. Why? Because there's something about being a human being that makes us love our walls. Oh, do we love our walls. We love to divide. We love to build these things up so that we can separate us from them. In fact, we love our tribe. Tribalism, oh, we love it. But then everything changed when Jesus came. Everything changed when Jesus came and he revealed the answer to this mystery, the truth of God's love for the whole world. And people should have understood right from the get-go right get that that's what Jesus was about because he told everybody that's what he was about. We're still trying to figure this whole thing out 2,000 years later. And when he started, if you read Luke's gospel, the story of Jesus' life as told by Luke, uh, he has Jesus starting out in his hometown of Nazareth. Right? This is the beginning of Jesus doing his thing in and around Jerusalem and Galilee. His public ministry, he has him starting there in Nazareth, his hometown. His hometown people asked him to preach in the synagogue. And so he's, he's in the synagogue. He unrolls the scroll from the prophet Isaiah. And then he reads to them these words. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolls up the scroll, sits down on the Moses seat, and he says, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Oh my goodness. He was claiming that piece of scripture to be his life purpose. Like, that's why he's here. That's why he came. He's claiming that piece of scripture. It's in Luke chapter 4. You can find it later. Or you can find it now if you got it in your lap. I don't care. He's claiming that to be his mission statement, his very identity. And all his boyhood neighbors in Nazareth, they're all like, oh my goodness, this is, this is our boy, man. This is our native son. This is Joseph's boy? Holy cow, he is really, really good. Did you hear what he said? God's gonna give us, the chosen nation, freedom. They're under captivity right now. They're under Roman oppression. And he's saying God is going to free us He's going to show us and free us from all of the things that will oppress us. And they're like, amen, brother, bring it. And then Jesus goes on and he starts preaching again. And he's like, remember what God did in the past? There were lots of poor, hungry widows in Israel. But you know what God did? God helped a foreign widow instead. And, 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 and remember when, when God used Elisha 
to, to heal an officer, a Gentile from Syria, instead of those poor lepers in Israel? Remember when God chose to move outside of the bounds of our tribe? When God decided to work outside the bounds of the chosen nation of Israel? Yeah, that's kind of what I'm up to, too. And the crowd gets mad. And they chase him out of town. And they try to murder him. What? They try to kill him. They resort to violence because that's what you do when you love your walls. Because that's what you do when you love your tribe so much you have to protect it at all costs. You resort to violence. Fortunately, they missed him. He slipped through the crowd. It's a funny episode in the life of Jesus. If you want to read that later, somehow he just slipped through the crowd. And then he spent the next three years doing exactly what he said he would do. He preached good news to the poor. He proclaimed freedom to the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind. He released the oppressed. And do you know how he did it? Read the stories about him in the Gospels. Read the stories. He did all of that by crossing every single barrier, every single wall that we human beings love to set up to separate ourselves from those people. Religious, social, economic, political, racial, ethnic, gender, you name it. It's like if he saw a wall, he's like, I'm going to step over that one too. And he found them all, and he crossed them all. He embodied God's love for the world. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and shares together in the promise in Christ Jesus. Everyone, everywhere, male, female, black, white, native-born, immigrant, rich, poor, you name it, that's it. There's no secret here. The whole world is redeemed through faith in Jesus. Oh, this causes problems, by the way. We'll get to them later. And then Paul goes on like this little digression, talking about his own calling and his own life. It's fascinating. In verse 8, he says, Although I am less than the least of all God's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. So he talks about his own life and what he's up to and how he lives this out. He's reminding them and us that this mystery, this truth of God's love for the world is revealed and carried into the world by real flesh and blood human beings, people, apostles, prophets, people like Paul, people like you and me, this church together. The story of God's love for the world is now embodied in the people of God. About a decade ago, a woman named Shelley Jackson published a, a short story 